Dr. Jacqueline Duget. Welcome to What is Black podcast that focuses on issues important to raising healthy and thriving Black children and adolescents. As a pediatrician and mom of color, I saw the need to create an additional educational platform to reach parents raising kids of color to address issues and challenges that are not always discussed in the pediatrician's office. Thank you for joining us for this week's conversation. Welcome to episode 29 of What is Black podcast. Have you ever imagined what you would tell Black parents visiting from another planet, what it's like to raise Black children, what your experiences are like, and what they might experience? Well, our guest today, Janice Dickman, did. She did the, she did the work for us. And today we're going to, to chat about her new book, To Black Parents Visiting Earth, Raising Black Children in the 21st Century. I think it's a very intriguing conversation and a very interesting approach to um, how, how we would rethink um, parenting black children. So I hope you enjoy the conversation. My name is Janet Stickman. I am a professor of humanities at Napa Valley College. Um, I've been teaching there for about 14 years. And there I teach uh, intro to Africana studies, uh, Filipino-American studies. I also teach a couple of survey and ethnic studies courses where we take a look at a variety of different uh, ethnic groups, but also look at the intersections of um, patriarchy and heterosexism and classism and all those different things as we're um, understanding ethnic identity. Uh, let's see, I also have been a writer. I've been a writer for a little over 20 years. Uh, I specialize in creative nonfiction, and um, in particular, my topics range from everything from education to self-love um, and self-care, um, ethnic identity, multiracial identity, and um, social justice in general. I'm also the faculty director of the Cultural Center at Napa Valley College, uh, and I also uh, lead or facilitate uh, writing workshops at uh, various um, spaces, particularly libraries. So I think you do bring a lot to the table when it comes to, uh, it comes to the book. So if you can give, um, give our listeners a little bit of background about um, what, um, what to, to Black Parents Visiting Earth is about. Definitely. So uh, To Black Parents Visiting Earth, Raising Black Children in the 21st Century is basically a collection of letters that focuses on everything from the politics of hair to education, uh, generational wealth and self-care and everything in between. And so basically, I imagine what if um, black parents from other planets came to the United States in this current political climate uh, what kind of advice would I offer them in terms of how to safely navigate the country, navigate the world, um, and raise our children to be happy and confident and, and, and proud, uh, especially against this extreme um, backdrop of anti-blackness right now? So that's, in summary, what the book uh, touches upon. What was the other, other than, I think, the political, you know, we've been experiencing undercurrents of racism, structural racism for a long period of time. What yes. was the impetus now to, to write the book? Uh, for me personally, the impetus was being a mom <laughs> and, and having, having a child. Uh, my daughter was born in 2008. And as I, you know, when she was born, um, Obama uh, is, is president. And so I was feeling uh, very hopeful about the fact that we have this black president that's leading the nation. And, you know, as things unfolded, 
especially as we then entered um, the Trump administration, I think the, the urgency to, to talk about um, these issues was very much there. And I think prior to that, I think understanding the various things, understanding and witnessing the various things my daughter was coming up against in school, not so much in those first, well, a little bit in those first five years before kindergarten, but most certainly once we hit kindergarten, first, second, third, well into the fifth grade, the ways in which she has to be equipped with um, language um, and a particular value system to make sure that she's inoculated against the against internalized uh, racism. Uh, we certainly didn't want her, as a result of people's uh, misconceptions and uh, just willful ignorance, we didn't want her internalizing all these different things about her identity that would um, that would ruin her, that would destroy her. So, um, so I'd say that's most, that's where the urgency came from. But absolutely, this is something that black folks have been dealing with for, for centuries, um, in terms of how to make sure that we are not consumed uh, by the, um, uh, by white dominant ideology and its impact so, on us. And I mean, I, and I think a lot of parents can, can relate to that, you know, my, my being a parent as well, I can, I can totally relate to those, um, those, in some ways, some anxieties and fears um, mm-hmm. of, of the current, current, current climate, but even, you know, even discrete incidents of racism, right, as my children, as my children were younger and growing up. And I'm, and I'm always fascinated by how, as we become parents, or if we, ha- you know, if we if we have kids in our in our lives that we are the responsible for, or you know, they're they're part of our family. Your views sort of your view does change, right? Your perspective on how you how you've lived before, whether it be financial, whether it be cultural, whether it be your belief system, totally. I think in some instances for me, like totally changed once I became a parent. And I was just wondering how. How have you found that experience being a parent um, influencing your your choices and then also some of the choices you've made in terms of what you what you've written about in in the book okay so I'd say that um, being a parent has directly uh, actually let me let me put it this way. Having this life <laughs> that I carried around um, for nine, I mean, truly 10 months, we're talking 40 weeks, this baby was, you know, in me and her, you know, being able to, you know, once she's born, just nurture her and um, instill her with all the love that I can, likewise with my husband, instilling all of the love and affection and, and knowledge you know, into our daughter, we wanted to make sure that this is something that um, that sort of love and that sort of care would carry on with anyone we would allow into her space. So basically we're the gatekeepers. And so we would know, you know, who, we would give the green light as to who it is we would allow into her space um, and who we would not allow into her space, knowing that whoever it is that we do allow into her space is going to have the same um, 
mission or objective to to take care of our of our little one um, and have her best interests, have her heart um, in in mind. And so, um, as far as that being central uh, to my my personal parenting style, um, I think that's something that that was at the forefront of my mind. I know that as when I look back at my own um, childhood and how my parents uh, raised me, there, you know, they did. I, it, I think that they did a really good job considering the modest access they had to, to various things. I mean, we didn't have medical insurance. I mean, there was there was medical, but there was no real medical insurance. Um, there was, you know, we were low income, they both worked, but they kind of pieced things together to make ends meet. And, um, you know, even though we had very little, there was a lot of love that I received from both my mother and my father. And, um, one thing that I did learn from my parents, particularly my mother was, you know, through her putting me in all these different activities, I learned that there was there was nothing that I could not do. Um, I was always encouraged um, and to get involved in different activities. And through these different activities, I was able to see myself progress. And I think that was um, a, a, a huge gift that I, I received from, from both my parents, but in particular, my, my mother. Um, I think another lesson, again, there's nothing I can't do that I have a whole host of options available to me. And so these are things that, these are things that I remember that, that they're part of my psyche. And so I want to make sure that as a, as a mom, I instill those values or I communicate those lessons to my own child because I never want her to feel limited um, to, you know, being a certain thing, um, whether it's career-wise or limited to a certain set of characteristics because these are the stereotypes that people have about her um, and us as a people, I want her to always know that, that she exceeds all of those bounds, uh, those boundaries and expectations. And I think, and I, think I mean, I think that's, I think that's a, great, um, a great perspective because, you know, I, I talk about, you know, Sometimes there's, you know, there are these fears, right, that we have um, for our kids, um, not only because of gender or race or, you know, stereotypes, right, that, um, that people might have, have about them. But ultimately what I'm hearing you say is, is that it's really love, right? I think a lot, of, a lot of the letters that you write, in some ways, even though you don't call them love letters, I think in some ways, like, I, I sort of envisioned them and read them as love letters, right? Because yeah. either there, there was an urgency and, you know, from the beginning, like why it is you needed to, to get this out. And yeah. that urgency to me that was really um, girded in or enveloped in love and writing those and writing the letter. Yeah, absolutely. No, thank you for mentioning that. I think I, I think I only say it once in the book and that's in the first letter. And I, I refer to all the letters that come thereafter as, as a love letter life guide. And um, that's essentially what the book is. And I, I really tried, well, I, I, don't, I don't know if I, <laughs> if try is the right word. I, 
I, as I was writing each letter, I wanted to make sure that that's where my heart was at, you know, that it came from a place of love. It came from a place of, listen, you know, I would, if, if there's anything that I can do to spare you the headache and the heartache that we went through in terms of learning all these things as we went, then here you go. This is what I'll give to you. Take it, trash it, augment it, do whatever it is that you need to do. But at the very least, um, you at least have a little something to work with so you won't be surprised. And so um, most certainly this, this whole, this whole um, book um, came from a place of, of love. And I'm just wondering, how were you able to sort of get that perspective as opposed to, because, you know, you're, you're writing from, if, if from, for me, when I, you know, I'm inferring that, you know, you're writing from your own experience, but at the same time, having to then kind of change the frame of mind to say that, you know, these experiences you've had, but you also want to, you also want to be a guide for other people. So I'm just wondering how, yeah. how were you able as a writer to, to incorporate that perspective in, the, in writing yeah. your letters? Yeah, I think the reason why I chose, for example, the reason why I chose not to write directly to other black parents in the here and now here in the United States um, was, on, was because I, I didn't want to come across as if I was an expert who knew all there was to know about parenting. <laughs> um, especially since I was a, you know, a new parent and I was a parent of an only child, um, all these different things. So at the same time, I knew that I had a perspective to share um, that would be of benefit to, to other, um, other people within the black community. And so what I decided to do was, think, okay, well, what if <laughs> um, I wrote to these imaginary black parents visiting from other planets, other galaxies? Uh, what would I say to them? And for some reason, that seemed to relieve some of the pressure of being thought of as an, uh, you know, an expert. I'd still be indirectly speaking to other black parents in the here and now, of course, but I'm speaking to these imaginary black parents visiting from other planets um, in one, in some way or another, knowing that they of course would rely on my guidance. There would be no question in my mind that they would rely on my guidance because they know nothing about what's going on here on earth. So I think it freed me up a little bit to speak from a place of authority and at the same time, create a space for other black folks here on earth, here in the United States to chime in. So I can say, yeah, I'm speaking from a place of authority, experience as a mother, as an educator, but listen, um, I hope that other black folks, regardless of the generation, um, regardless of where we are in the U S regardless of where we are in the world, I hope that they'll start writing letters to you too, because, you know, as long as, you get letters from all of us, then you'll get the most comprehensive picture of what life here as um, a black parent 
um, is is like. One thing I I was thinking about as I was reading the book was that you reference in one of the chapters um, the Green Book, right? That yeah. was used as sort of a as a guide for African Americans um, traveling in the South, and I, yeah. and in many instances I I saw a parallel in this book, right? In the sense that in, in some ways, like a metaphorical green book for someone who's coming, you know, and wants to know, like, how do I, how am I guided through these different aspects of the development, right, of my child or certain experiences? And I was wondering, had you, had you thought about that in writing the book, about how those parallels at all? To be honest, no, not until you mentioned it. And I want to thank you for, <laughs> for, for seeing it that way, that, that actually, you know, as I'm listening to, to you speak, that that's quite an honor um, that, that, you, that you saw it that way, that you saw the, the parallels in, in, that, in that fashion. Um, you know, as you mentioned it, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, my hope was for it to be a guide um, that would help, you know, like the green book, you know, it would guide folks to where the safe places are, <laughs> where are the, um, where are the resources, where are the people who are going to welcome us, where are the people who are going to actually, you know, not hurt us. Um, and so I think, yeah, this book does serve as a guide to, help other black parents to avoid the pitfalls that may otherwise be waiting for us if we did not know what to move around or how to navigate through it um, and still end up on top. I think the, the, the guide, the, the book serves as a guidebook to ultimately have us always end up on top <laughs> and not fall victim to various things because, oh, I didn't know. Oh, I was surprised. No, here are some things, especially, you know, when it comes to education and other things that, that we need to be aware of. And this is how we can respond quickly. Which I think is great. And I think, you know, the, the other aspect, too, is that, again, you, you talk about practical, um, relatable resources for families, you know, whether it be music, media, um, places to go and, you know, in, in certain geographic areas. And I think mm -hmm. that's helpful because I think in many instances, right, I think, I, I think it could be, you know, you could have written letters saying, you know what, um, maybe don't come. Um, mm -hmm. it's, not, it's not safe here. But at the same time, yeah. it's like there's this, there's this practicality as well. Like if you're going to come, these are some things to kind of, you know, to, to sort of arm you so that you can be prepared. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, um, I recall, I think it was at the, ooh, I think it was at the end of the time benders, um, letter. I remember <laughs> warning the parents not to come. I, I remember writing that and feeling very, very, um, hopeless and thinking, you know what, the things that are going on right now, you know, especially at that time when I wrote the letter, um, Trump had just gotten elected. And so we saw um, a surge in the number of hate crimes uh, that were taking place just within days after his um, inauguration. And I remember saying, yeah, don't come, don't come. And, and then, you know, I think the letter thereafter, 
I don't necessarily take all of it back, but I make an attempt to be more hopeful. Um, so it's, I, I definitely, there, there was that reality of feel, going back and forth between feeling hopeful and hopeless. And so most certainly I didn't want to overly romanticize this whole thing, but you know, there's that, that reality does exist in, in the, in the letters, the, this kind of uh, back and forth that we often do, you know, those who are committed to social justice, um, to achieving social justice, we don't all, we're not always hopeful. Um, sometimes we go back and forth in the way in which we maintain our strength and maintain our hope is by being in the presence of other people who are, um, trying to move forward and create a better world. And I, yeah, and I think that, I mean, I think that's true, right? I think our, even as parents, right? I think we go through that as well, right? There are times when we're like, you know, your kid wants to, wants to be independent, right? And I'm thinking about, you know, driving a car or learning how to mm-hmm. drive a car, you know, for older kids. And it's kind of like, there's this back and forth, what, well, you know, they have to drive, but then there's this fear about what you know could be coming, right? It's like, all right, do you have yeah. to talk when you want to have the talk? But at the yeah. same time, it's like in order to move forward, there's got to, you've got to trust. And, and that's hard. That's so difficult, right? I think breaking through that fear and anxiety to ultimately, you know, talk about, you know, ending up in love. And the love is like, you know what? I've got to trust what I've done, let go and and let let my child, you know. So it's, like you said, it's like this this roller coaster. Well, you didn't say roller mm-hmm. coaster, but you know, there's, there there are these different you know changes in our thought patterns and how we're feeling. But ultimately, you know, we've got to have hope, right? We've got to have love. Um, yes. Hopefully, that trumps everything. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now, the one thing I did find interesting um, is the fact that you know you infuse a little bit of your own. Um, cultural background in the book. I mean, for the most part, the chapters, you know, are kind of like hair, books, self-care, which I think was very important. And I definitely want to talk to you about that. But I think the mm-hmm. one thing that was also interesting is you, you talk about raising a child who, of, of mixed culture, ethnicity. Mm-hmm. And, yes. uh, and I was curious, like, why was that important for you to, to share with newcomers? Like, why to to write a letter to them about that. Just in case some of those newcomers from other planets or galaxies um, were also multiracial of African-American descent. Um, I think, you know, throughout our um, history and, you know, certainly, you know, in the, in the here and now, you know, we have a number of um, black folks who are of, uh, biracial or multiracial heritage, and sometimes it doesn't even get spoken about. I think there's also a history within the African American community um, uh, sometimes to not um, talk about that other part of one's ethnic identity because there's a perception that you that it would uh, jeopardize the authenticity of your blackness. And I really wanted, and that's something that I've experienced. That's something that, you know, I've been very active within the multiracial um, uh, uh, community um, and different conferences and things like that and, and different um, anthologies. And so this is one of the common things that, that, that come up. And I want to make sure that I um, addressed it in um, a book like this because, um, 
most certainly it is, you know, my experience and I wanted other folks and, uh, you know, my experience, but also my daughter's experience. I wanted other folks that are also multiracial of African-American heritage to have some language around what it means to, um, you know, one, embrace all the things that you are and live in that, that in-between space um, um, and understand the sacredness of that in-between space while at the same time knowing that when one embraces all that we are, it, it most certainly should not be at the expense of our blackness. Um, which has also happened. Sometimes people of African-American heritage, uh, or excuse me, multiracial of African-American heritage may say, oh, you know, I'm all these things, you know, I'm all these different ethnic backgrounds. You can't just pigeonhole me and just call me black. And, and, and that, that, that's, I think that's dangerous because, you know, this is one of the reasons why people are like, well, wait a minute, you know, well, what exactly are you saying? Um, you don't want to identify with other black people. And so I, and so I think there's some validity to, to those questions as well. So I wanted to really tackle that head on and offer some language as to how, again, you can really, you can be both if you're biracial. Um, you can embrace, you know, all that you are. Um, you're a more than just two ethnic backgrounds if you're multiracial, but you can also stand for social justice and stand against anti-blackness and have some pride in your African-American heritage um, and understand the impact of the demonization of blackness that has um, been so prevalent um, in the past as well as in the here and now. I think the other thing too, you know, as, as you're speaking and, and reading the book as well is also kind of also having like an understanding that, let's say, again, you know, theoretically a black person from another, another planet coming here, right, they also have a different experience, right? Yeah. They, uh-huh. They're, they're going to be the other and how we perceive them and understand them as, as, as a black, black person, um, how they express their, their identity of blackness, right, their realization of mm-hmm. blackness. I think it's also very kind of, you know, it's like, oh, it's like very thought provoking. It's like, okay, this is very yeah, deep. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know, know like, that's true. Maybe that'll have to be book two. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> the, can you imagine second like volume? I mean, that's good. Yeah, yeah. Because, because again, like the thought of, you know, intermarriage or um, with, with someone from, from another, another place, right. It's like how, how we incorporate our cultures, how we, how we respect those cultures, how we honor those cultures. Right. So I think so I, yeah. I think that's that's very you know very deep very deep yeah definitely I like that thank you <laughs> and I think lastly before um, before we end our conversation I definitely wanted to touch on um, just uh, just uh, follow up about the question about the chapters on self care and yes. why that was so um, so integral for you to to put that into into the book as well. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think I, yeah, I broke it up into two letters. Um, I'm, I've, I've always been big on self-care. I, I started talking about it in my um, second book, my Midnight Peaches, Two O'Clock Patients book. Um, 
and at the time, you know, feeling very much on top of everything and just having an extreme amount of clarity. <laughs> and and um, I remember, you know, that, that chapter in the earlier book that was called um, Perfect Ordinary Day. And, um, and I, I wanted to um, talk about it in this book, but just kind of the, the, the changes, um, the importance of um, seeing how, you know, we might in one uh, season in our lives be very clear about what it is that we need, what it is that makes us tick, what it is that makes our, our faces light up. Um, and brings us joy, and then we grow, and then we go through all these changes and, and whatever, and then we discover, wait a minute, we've out, <laughs> the, the things that felt like they fit before, you know, I'm not really into that anymore. Um, and now I have, you know, discovered, okay, work is having a different impact on me, and, you know, what I thought I was so good at saying no to, I'm not exactly as good as I thought I was, and here I am, <laughs> Here I am sitting in the ER thinking that I'm so great at self-care when actually I'm not. And so I, I wanted to share that as a um, starting point in one of the letters on self-care and what it meant to then find a new self-care regimen, um, get reacquainted with myself and the new things that make me tick. Um, the new things that, that bring me to life. And so that, that was that, that first um, letter dedicated to self-care. And then the, the second part to it, I wanted to make sure that there was the, that I incorporated the reality of, of self-care and being black, that, um, you know, it's not so easy to say to black folk, okay, you know what, take care of yourself, go take a walk, you know, for 30 minutes, blah, 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 and, you know, spend time with your family, go barbecue, whatever, whatever. You know, we may, our doctors may tell us these things, we might tell each other these things, but then when we look at the reality of, um, I think I mentioned this in, in this particular chapter, the reality of how our our leisurely, the things that we do, our leisurely activities end up being construed as criminal, um, as suspicious activities, you know, hence, you know, um, the barbecue Beckys that are calling the cops on, on, on folks just trying to barbecue or, you know, people just trying to fall asleep, uh, or take a little nap in a dorm room or hanging out at the coffee shop that, you know, there are all these ways in which, um, racist people interrupt our flow when we are just trying to relax. <laughs> and so what does that mean when we're, when we do have, we already have a, an idea and not only do we have an idea, we regularly practice engaging in leisurely activities, but even that <laughs> gets interrupted by, by white supremacy. Um, how do we deal with that and how, how do we still maintain, you know, our sense of self? Um, and so I wanted to make it grounded in the reality of this anti-blackness and then consequently, you know, the, the urgency of why we, we need to be there for each other and we need to insist on, on um, self-compassion, on self-acceptance, on loving ourselves, all these different things. And, and one thing I, I wish I knew about 
when I wrote the book, but I didn't learn about it until thereafter, uh, was Girl Trek. And so um, I probably need to include that in the list of resources I put on my website. But what I did not include in the self-care book was um, how important uh, Girl Trek is, particularly to um, black women. And, it, you know, following in the footsteps of Harriet Tubman and us, you know, just making that commitment, um, that commitment to ourselves as black women to go out for a walk 30 minutes a day and, um, and you know, for, you know, our own physical health, but also, you know, when we're in the company of each other, be able to listen to each other, counsel each other, be of support to each other. And so, um, so yeah, I think that ends up a really being a really good example of, you know, how necessary it is to take care of ourselves as mothers, take care of ourselves as, as fathers, um, take care of each other, you know, as, as parents, um, because we have to model this for our babies. You know, how are our babies going to take care of themselves when they don't see us taking care of ourselves? And how are we going to be our best selves for our babies and be patient and all these things if, if we're not doing the sort of things that make us happy so that, you know, we're in the a healthy um, space, a healthy state of mind to you know, laugh when our kid tells a joke or is silly. And so, so yeah, that's uh, everything I had in mind when it came to those self-care letters. This book really is, again, is about love and community, which I think is very, very important. And I think a great resource. And I hope, you know, I hope other um, parents find it um, a great resource, resource as well. Absolutely. And again, thanks. Thank you so much, Jackie, for um, interviewing me and giving me the chance to um, talk about the book and, and the process of writing it and, and all of that. So again, thank you so much for the opportunity. Thanks for joining us this week on What is Black podcast. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And for more information about the podcast, our blogs, and subscribe to our upcoming newsletter, go to our website at whatisblack.co. As always, subscribe to the show to catch every new episode. And don't forget to leave us a review so we can continue to bring you fresh content. Until next time, thank you for listening.